Hey, how's everybody doing today? You are listening to Fun Times in Flushing, a positive podcast about the New York Mets. I am Michael Smith, here to talk about Mets baseball with you every week, even during the offseason. On today's show, we're going to discuss everything coming out around Steve Cohen, the declined options around the league, the decision by Kevin Cash to remove Blake Snell in Game 6, and what those things say about the state of baseball. But first, Mets baseball is year-round for me. If you're looking to keep a little Mets baseball in your life, keep listening to this show and support it by going to funandflushing.com fanatics. That will take you to the Mets section of the Fanatic website where you can pick up some Mets gear for the winter months. Use that link and Fanatics will kick some money back to the show while you get to pay the same price. It helps me out a lot and I'd really appreciate it. Shipping is going to get crazy again very soon, so get that holiday shopping started now at funandflushing.com fanatics. Now, let's get to it. That theme was from Kyle Cullen at Kyle's Podcast Themes at gmail.com. Email him for your podcast theme needs. If you want to find any links discussed in today's show or to learn more about the show, go to funandflushing.com slash 12. I want to apologize for taking an unexpected week off last week. I actually recorded an episode on the madness surrounding the sale of the team, but it was just constantly out of date the second I finished recording. So I updated it, and then that happened again, and then I updated it, and it happened again. So I scrapped it, and I waited until this week. Uh, and obviously, like I said earlier, that's what we're going to do this week. Uh, but first, I want to start with this day in Mets history. This is going to be a quick one. And I'm going to have to figure out what I'm going to do with this date in Mets history, because I really like it, and I like delving into the history of the team. But not a lot's happened in November and October, and uh, November and December. So... Uh, We're going to have to figure that out, but for this week, October 27th, 1986, Game 7, Mets fall behind early, but homers from Daryl Strawberry and Series MVP Ray Knight lead an eight-run attack to earn the second championship in franchise history. October 30th, 2015, Game 3 of the World Series, Noah Syndergaard goes up and in on LCD's Escobar, David Wright plays his first home World Series game and homers, and the Mets get their only win of the series, unfortunately. Uh, in the 2015 World Series against the Royals. Uh, One of my favorite memories uh, from my lifetime of being a Mets fan. Now, let's talk about the ownership situation. Disha the Czar of the Daily News has been all over this story. I believe I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Uh, Disha the Czar. But so is the name of Jerry Reinsdorf, who you may remember from earlier this year being one of the main figures in the last dance as he is the owner of the Chicago White Sox and the Chicago Bulls. Tazar and Bill Madden had a report up on October 20th that Steve Cohen had cleared another hurdle. His bid was approved by a committee of eight owners by a vote of 7-1, to one, Reinsdorf being the lone no vote. Tazar and Madden laid out the next step is to get approval from the Leeds Executive Council. Then Cohen just needs the 23 yes votes from the 29 other owners, and he's in. That was Tuesday. <laughs> and then on Wednesday, Bob Nightingale of USA Today reported that another hurdle had to be cleared. The report stated that since City Field is on New York City-owned parkland, the Mets had to sign an agreement with the city that has a clause in it about change of ownership. It says the 
it says the mayor can stop a sale to a prohibited person defined as any person that has been convicted in a criminal proceeding for a felony or any crime involving moral turpitude. Not super clear, uh, but what is when you get in this legalese nonsense? Technically, Steve Cohen's company has pled guilty to insider trading, but Steve Cohen personally has not. By that wording, de Blasio had no light to stand on. But of course, in all the time that the Wilpons have owned the Mets, there was no logical conclusion to this story other than what we got over the past two weeks. So what would be next? Well, multiple stories came out indicating that de Blasio would try to stop the sale. Fortunately, those did not come to pass shortly after the owners voted Cohen in on Friday, October 30th. De Blasio approved the sale, and Cohen now waits an official closing to become the owner. Meanwhile, the Mets have made some moves. Nick Tropiano from the Pirates and Jacob Barnes from the Angels were claimed by the Mets off waivers. Both guys could provide bullpen depth. Of course, these are not the only moves being made around baseball right now. Guys like Charlie Morton and Colton Juan are unexpectedly free agents. Their options were declined by their respective teams, neither option being that expensive, leaving them free agents. They are just some of the unexpected free agents around baseball due to budget cuts around the league for most teams. That leaves a window open for the Mets. Cohen has already made sure to let people know money is not an issue. He started where he could. He pledged $17.5 million to small businesses in New York City, as well as an estimated $7 million to all Mets employees reinstating their full pre-pandemic salaries. This is for people like the... He, you know, he used the words all Mets employees. Uh, it was all laid out that this included union groundskeepers and security guards and all Mets employees. That bodes well for the Mets on the field as well, as they will sure to be mining the free agent landscape, expected and unexpected, not just for top players, but for the depth guys that win championships. Colton Wan might not necessarily be somebody that fits the Mets' needs, but Morton certainly does. And there are plenty like him. A guy who I had talked about earlier in a previous podcast, Chris Archer, who I'm not necessarily crazy about. Uh, I had talked about him being a free agent next offseason and possibly being a guy that the Mets could trade for in July if they needed depth. Well, he's a free agent now too. So there are a lot of guys around the league that have been let go as a result of the pandemic and budget cuts, and this is not going to be your typical offseason. I I think the Cardinals might have interest in Colton Wong, just not at the price point that was laid out in his original contract. I think if everything broke their way, that would mean that Colton Wong went around the league, couldn't get what he wanted, and wanted to stay with the Cardinals for a few million dollars less. I believe believe what he would have made this year was... uh, a little over $12 million. I think the Cardinals would probably hang on to him for six, maybe $7 million, which is well below his value. But I don't know if I necessarily blame these teams for trying to make some of their money back. I, I don't blame the players for being upset, but I don't know what they can do to stop that. And, and, I, and I do see where these teams get hurt. I think they could survive it. And I think the players can survive it as well. Obviously, they make good money. But uh, it's it's an interesting tightrope that's going to have to be walked here as there is a collective bargaining agreement up next offseason. 
So it, it should be interesting to see if the owners soften on this a little bit just to kind of make good with the players or if we're in for another dogfight. Lastly, I just want to talk a little about Game 6 of the World Series. Blake Snell pulled from the game as the Dodgers started their third time through the order. Snell was cruising through this one and nobody who wasn't completely under the thumb of analytics would have considered pulling him. We've seen the game trend this way for years now, but this is the most egregious move on the biggest stage. It's unfortunate. It immediately flipped the game on its ear. Mookie Betts, who Snell had struck out twice and Mookie didn't even seem that close, uh, immediately doubled, brought the tying run into scoring position. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, he brought the tying run to third and the go-ahead run to second. And I was watching the game thinking that I really didn't see the Dodgers getting back into it. It was a one nothing game. And I really just thought that the Dodgers were not, had no chance to score the run because Blake Snell just looked that good. And the second he left the game, it was, there was no way the Dodgers were going to lose. And that was the one that clinched the series. Uh, and it's just a shame because we were robbed of seeing if Snell could pull off some all-time great performance on the mound. But the truth is that this is the game now. I always thought in a moment like this that teams would allow their managers to make the right call, but Kevin Cash certainly didn't do that. It worries me because I want to see the best for this game, and this isn't it. Hopefully we'll see a slight shift back. I think analytics have a place in this game, but managers hopefully, like hopefully, like Tony LaRusa, can find a way to melt the new and the old together and know when to say the numbers are wrong and we need to do the opposite. Tony LaRusa. <laughs> I cannot believe Tony LaRusa is a manager again in Major League Baseball. I'm so excited for that first White Sox game next year. But back to Blake Snell. I, I just, like I said, I just, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't. I'm watching this game. I was so incredulous at him being pulled out. And, and I, I hope this is some sort of shift back. It's the analytics have become far too prominent and far too. The managers are almost dependent on them, and I don't blame them. I don't blame the managers necessarily. The managers are doing what is best for their job. What's best for their job is following the numbers, not disobeying the front office and and doing what they're supposed to do. But I can't see, like I said, being under completely under the thumb of analytics. I can't see if Kevin Cash was told, hey, you're safe. No matter what happens in this game, you're safe. I, I can't imagine that he would have pulled Blake Snell. Third time through the order, that's what you're basing everything on? Mookie bats Corey Seager, Justin Turner. One, two, three in the Dodgers order that night. Oh, for six, six strikeouts. Snell had dominated them. All three of them dominated them. Dominated them. Why couldn't he face them one more time? It doesn't make any sense. It's nonsense. And I, 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 I can't fathom how the Rays could wake up on Wednesday, the day after the game, and think to themselves, yeah, you know what? We did the right thing last night. What scares me is they probably did. And that's what I worry about with the analytics, is that they would say that if that exact situation played out 10 more times, say eight of those times, it would have went their way. And I just, 
watching that game, if that exact same situation played out 10 times, I can't imagine more than once it going their way. Blake Snell was so dominant. And and as a Met fan, it was striking me that just five years ago, Matt Harvey was going out for the ninth inning in a World Series, you know, do or die game, win or go home for one team at least. Five years ago, he was going out for the ninth inning and everybody thought it was the right move. Most people did. Most people thought it was the right move. Blake Snell can't even be trusted to finish the sixth inning. It's ridiculous. It's out of control, the analytics. Especially when you consider who the Rays brought in. A guy who had given up a run in each of his last six appearances. He hasn't pitched well. He pitched well all year for them. He was one of the reasons they got there. But he hasn't pitched well in his postseason. And that's who you go to because the numbers say he's better now for you than Blake Snell is, which is just absolutely ridiculous. So hopefully... Hopefully the hopefully there's some sort of shift. Like I said, I believe in analytics. I believe there's a place for them. But let's use our eyes. Let's look at what's happening in this game right here, right now. Not what's happened in 10 games just like this one. This game specifically, this one. This one that we're living in right now. Game can't be managed on paper. Can't be. I know I said last I know I said last thing was the uh Blake Snell situation, but I do how could I not touch on what happened with Justin Turner after the Dodgers clinched the World Series? And I, I got to be truthful. Frankly, my first thought was, and I said this on Twitter, who cares about him going out there? Only because he had been in the dugout with the Dodgers all game long. But that was sort of a narrow-minded view. I, I shouldn't say sort of. That was a narrow-minded view. My thought was who cares if he's around the Dodgers, but he was around other people. There were media on the field. There were, you know, various other officials from the league around the field, people who he had not been around. And he also took off his mask and and that was stupid and unsafe. And one of the things that the Dodgers said, you know, after all the backlash started coming out was he was safe. He kept his mask on. And there was a picture of him sitting right next to his manager and cancer survivor, Dave Roberts. And both of them had their masks down. So it was just an outright lie. The best they could do was lie, and it was immediately just—it was immediately proven to be a lie. So I don't know what they were quite thinking there. But when you look at this situation, it's just, it's, it's upsetting that it had to go down that way, and that had to be the way this season ended. But my other thought was, moving on past... Justin Turner specifically, what happened that led to him testing positive? I need to know how the NBA and the NHL bubbled up for months. Major League Baseball bubbled for one month. Those two leagues bubbled up for multiple months and never had a positive test. Not one. With more players in one bubble. The NHL had two bubbles. At times, Major League Baseball had like four bubbles going on. They had denser populations in their bubbles, and they were in there longer, and they never had a positive test. What did Major League Baseball do wrong that led to this happening? Was it Justin Turner's fault? Did he break protocol? Did he do something he wasn't supposed to do? Did Major League Baseball 
just not have as as tight a grip around this thing as they should have. I need to know because I need to know why people were put in jeopardy. Again, not just Justin Turner or the Dodgers or the Rays, but Ken Rosenthal and Tom Verducci and all the other countless media members that were there. You know, there were some guys who, speaking of players, who had pregnant wives in the bubble with them, probably thinking that was the safest place for them to be. What happened? What happened? How did this happen? I think Major League Baseball handled a lot of this very poorly. And I I think some of that was not their fault, speaking specifically about the regular season. They were the first ones to come back. So, you know, they may not have handled dressing up their buildings as well or faking crowd noise as well as some of the other leagues did. But to be fair, they were the first ones out. So I'm not here to blame them for that. But this 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 bubble situation, I don't think it was handled as well as the other leagues. And I need to know why that was when you weren't the first. You had other models to follow. Heading into an offseason that's going to be pretty ugly, I think, news-wise for Major League Baseball, just with all these really good players being out there and not being signed. That's been a trend that's been going on already now, throwing the pandemic, I think. It's going to be very ugly. And the next year, they're going to have to have the collective bargaining agreement. And that can get very ugly as well. So I'm, I'm curious to see how this all goes down. And I hope it just, I hope it doesn't get too ugly. I love this sport. I just, it, this is just not, not how this all should have gone down. All right, so Halloween is over. We are into November, into the beginning of the holiday season. If you look around, everybody's got Black Friday deals up already. Everybody's decorating their houses for Christmas. We haven't even gotten to Thanksgiving yet, although I'm all in favor of it. I love Christmas. And that's why I want you guys to go to funandflushing.com slash Amazon to find my general Amazon link. You go there, you use Amazon like you normally would at the same price. But Amazon kicks a little of that money back to support the show because I am an Amazon associate and I earn from qualifying purchases. You can also find direct product links to David Wright's recently released autobiography, The Captain, or to our next fun times in Flushing Book Club entry, After the Miracle, The Lasting Brotherhood of the 69 Mets, by Art Shamsky and Eric Sherman. I'll be discussing that one in the coming weeks, so make sure to get it and check it out so you can follow along. I'll be back next week with some more Mets talk. Go to funandflushing.com slash blog during the upcoming week for some more free agent scouting reports. I'll be expanding on some thoughts on the individual free agents and how they fit into this Mets team. There are already some up for JT Realmuto, Trevor Bauer, and George Springer, with more to come for others like James McCann and Charlie Morton. If you want to get in contact with the show, 845-206-9098. can leave a voicemail. Make sure you leave your name so I can chat you out. Or you can email funtimesandflushing at gmail.com. Anything, anything you want to say to the show, uh, please feel free to reach out in any one of those two ways. and I'd love to shout you out on the show. Uh, you can go to funinflushing.com slash 12. Again, any links involved with this episode or you can see stuff from other episodes. Uh, these ways to contact us. 
Please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a rating, a review, all that good stuff. Tell everybody how much you love the show. You can follow me on Twitter at msmith, F-I-F for fun and flushing. Or you can follow at fun and flushing on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening to the show this week. It's a good week to be a Mets fan. (laughs) It's a good week to be a Mets fan. I'm so happy that we can be now in the mix for free agents, hopefully. Over the next couple of months, we'll start to see them fall in our direction. Again, thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you guys next week.